Welcome to the Brewdeck Podcast. I'm your host, Toby Tucker. This has been a long time coming. We're uh, extremely excited to finally carry the best malts, roasted malts, which we've mentioned on prior podcasts, just in time for the wintry months and the much-awaited welcome of the dark beer season. Hey, Axel, thanks for joining us all the way from Germany. It's always a real pleasure having you and catching up. Let's just dive right in. What can you tell us about the new roasted malts? Hello, everyone. My name is Axel Göhler. I am uh, the CEO of Best Malts, and I will be happy to give you some information on our roasted malts and why we think that they are very special and why you can use them in your brewing in an almost ideal way. First of all, I'd like to give you some information on the process regarding the malting of our roasted malts. Then I would like to give you some information about the roasting itself, which is also unique. And finally, I would give you some analytical details about the technical view on these products. Because we do believe that in the end, you will have a product that's coming out of our roasting that is um, not only better in taste, but also scientifically one can prove that this is a very, very exceptional product. So coming back to my first part of this small story about our roasted malts regarding the malting. Most people don't know that we have fully malted grains in our roasting. So well, we don't roast chit malt or non-malted grains. So in reality, we are really having here a two-phase process. The first phase being the malting itself, and then we have the roasting. So we are strong believers that when you have a roasted malt and you want to offer roasted malt to the boer, you really need to take as much care and diligence for the malting as for the roasting. In our malting and for the roasted products, we only use Berlin program recommended raw materials. This is very important because theoretically one could use other, you know, six row barley, uh, foreign grains that are available. But we don't do that. So we follow the same principles that we have in our general malting. We also follow for our roasting. So we make no differentiation of the malt. This was my dog in the background. Um, she she also likes the roasted malt, but she doesn't like me talking to my mobile. So we only use Berlin program recommended raw materials in our roasting. During the malting phase in steeping and germination, we follow a manually controlled, fully tuned process. That means we have a high degree of checks and interventions in order to make sure that uh, we really come out with the best possible malt, which is then the pre-product for our roasting. We have uh, well-developed specific kilning routines in order to achieve optimal conditions for any crop and grain condition. So, of course, we're working with a natural product and we need a flexible approach to cope with seasonal changes in our natural ingredients. So, in the malting, we have quite a strong element of manual controls and manual intervention. And finally, before we use the pre-product or before we can use the pre-product for our roasting, we need clearance by our QS team. Uh, so every batch that we are using in our malting is being tested whether we have the ideal conditions for the pre-product that is then used in the roasting. So coming to the roasting phase, first of all, we are having extremely small batches of 
roasting batches, which is 100 kilograms per batch only. The reason is that, uh, of course, we want to make sure that we can reach precisely the color values that we are giving in our specification sheets. And since the roasting and the adaptation of color depends a lot on the season, depends a lot on the water content of the, the malt, and therefore it's, it's very important for us to monitor very closely the condition of the malt before we roast it in order to be able to adjust and reach precisely what we are promising to our customers. We have individual recipes for our different roasted malts. Here we're using the experience uh, from our malt masters in our production who have developed these individual recipes. Batches are tightly controlled. We have two people who are working in the roasting all the time. So there's always a backup in our roasting team and all the specs must be fully confirmed before we can give it to our team, the logistics team. Of course, we get data from the production. We have highly automated data control system, which is giving us all the details on the temperature in the roaster, on the condition of the malt in the roasting process. And so we can monitor this both visually and technically from the data that we get out of the process. After production is finalized, roasting team takes samples of completed customer order for final tests in our best labs. So the individual batches and the final product are validated and stored in our retained sample depository. This is very important because we keep all malts, no difference again between the roasted malts and all our other malts, for at least 24 months in our depository to have complete transparency on what our customers get. This describes pretty well why we believe that we have a pretty unique process here. Of course, it is quite labor intensive. So this is not an industrial product by any means. It's a, it's a manually controlled and thoroughly checked product that we are offering to our customers in our roasteds. So coming to my last part of this little podcast, if you will, this is the analytical evaluation of our roasted products. The reason why we have a very smooth and round taste in our roasted and you don't feel this bitterness, this, this um, astringent bitterness that very often you get when you, when you try or even eat roasted malts, you, you feel this bitter taste, which is unwanted, of course. And the reason why we don't have this is that the so-called pyrocins, which are causing this bitterness, are in our roasted malts 30% below comparable roasted products manufactured in the traditional steel drum. So there are different types of pyrocins and we thoroughly check all the time how do our roasted products perform versus traditionally drum roasted products. And we find that we have in some pyrocene groups, we have differences of minus 63% and the categories where, they, where we have the least reduction is minus 3%. But on average, we have around 30% less pyrocins in our roasted malts. This has to do with our unique process because we are using a fluid bed roaster, so-called fluid bed roaster. So no husks get burnt on the steel drum because in our fluid bed roaster, the roasting kernels are blown up in the air 
and then roasted while they are dancing around the heating device. So that is really the reason why we don't have these pyrocins so much in our roasting process. Of course, as a brewer, you're also interested in the T-bars, in the oxygen radical absorbance capacity and other factors which are important for you as a brewer. And I can tell you that the T-bars or the oxygen radical absorbance capacity is similar to other roasting products. So we have no big difference here. But the pyrocins are the most outstanding category of parameters which are different in our roasting rather than the traditional steel drum roasting for the reasons that I have already mentioned. So gentle fluid bed roasting strongly reduces pyrocins, causing astringent bitterness and other parameters are more or less equal with traditional roasted malted products. So let me summarize what are the advantages of our roasting products. We are roasting, number one, a fully malted pre-product. It's a two-step production approach. We don't use green malt or any other products that have not been fully malted. Second, we are only using Berlin program barley. So no inferior barley, no six-row barley, nothing of that kind. Only German barley is being used in our roasting. Three, roasting in tiny batches of around 100 kilos per batch, not more. Four, fluid bed roasting, causing less burn kernels and avoiding this bitterness. So we have number five, a very smooth taste with less pyrocins. Six, we are extremely adaptive to different crops with flexible small batch roasting. Seven, we have no need for dehusking and possibility to use husks in the brewing process because in filtering, of course, the husks play a major role. So if you can, you would like to retain the husks. And since we're not burning the husks to, to begin with, you as a brewer can use them in your brewing process and take full advantage of them. We have all color tones available from very pale to almost black. So please have a look at our portfolio of products and we go up to 1400 EBCs and start with very, very low roasted products. We can use our roasting also for other grains, rye, maize, spelt, wheat, malt, or raw wheat. So we have many applications and we can almost roast whatever you want. We are 100% compliant with German purity law in our roasting, like with all our other products. We can also offer organic qualities. Again, have a look at our portfolio on our internet, on our website, and you will see that we can also offer organic qualities in our roasted portfolio. And we have also some malts especially suited for distillers, for instance, our best biscuit, which uh, we think is an, another extraordinary product. If you haven't tried it, you should and we got very positive feedbacks from distillers who really like this product because they think it's, it has a nice, nice roasted taste and it's great to work with in distilling. So this pretty much sums up what we think is special about our roasting. And if you haven't tried it, you should. And if you have any further questions, feel free to contact me. Shoot me an email at ag at bestmalts.de and I'll be happy to answer with together with my technical team. And I look forward to get your feedbacks. So this was Axel Göhler, CEO of Best Malts and Malt It Up. Thanks a bunch, Axel. We're so excited to be carrying the Best Malts roasted malts, the chocolate, black, 
and Black Extra here in North America. Our next couple of guests are two brewers that make fantastic beers. Um, we wanted to get some that were spread out different parts of the country. I got my buddy from Oddwood Ales in Austin, Corey Abair on. And then I don't know him um, as well, but he was introduced to us by, uh, I guess, our counterpart, CJ Pinzone, and um, really spoke highly of his beers. Can't wait to, to talk to Josh Fryoff from Separatist Beer in Pennsylvania. What part of Pennsylvania, Josh? Uh, we're in the Lehigh Valley, about an hour north of Philadelphia. Awesome. All right. We'll just launch into it. Let's start with you, Josh. I guess, who are you and, and where's your brewery located? I know you just kind of mentioned it, but you know, for those out there listening that don't know where that, that part is in a PA, can you tell us a bit more about it? Sure. Yeah. I mean, um, my, my name is Josh Fryoff, as, uh, as you mentioned, I'm the head brewer at the Separatist Beer Project. We're based out of Easton, Pennsylvania, which is, um, I guess, considered Northeast Pennsylvania along the Jersey border, about an hour north of Philadelphia. It's, I think, Allentown, which is one of the Lehigh Valley cities, is the third largest in Pennsylvania. So it's a pretty big location, good amount of people, uh, pretty spread out. And so we have great opportunity to reach a good amount of folks. And then obviously Separatist also has a taproom location down in Phil- in Philadelphia in the Passing Oak neighborhood. Awesome. Um, so that's that's really great that we get can get down there too. When did you first open your your location? So Separatist has been around for in some iteration or not for about six years. I've been with the company for two years. And so they opened originally with the Easton location and then quickly built out what we call the blendery. That's a 4,000 square foot facility that is where all our mixed culture is done. So I've got six 30 barrel fooders and about 120 mixed 60 gallon barrels that we basically treat the whole place like a big Solera project. And we get to pull a little bit from here and there and uh, redose and we've got some fruiting tanks and things like that. So that's kind of like a fun little project that we do. And then the main portion of our brewing is done out of Easton. And the Passion Tap Room was opened about three years ago now. Corey, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, yeah, Corey Abair, uh, head brewer at Oddwood Ales, Oddwood Brewing now, kind of, in uh, Austin, Texas. We're a kind of smaller neighborhood brew pub brewery. Do a lot of lager beer, hoppy beer, mixed culture beer. Been head brewer there uh, about three years now. I was head brewer at Adalbert's here in Austin for a couple years before that. And Ranger Creek Brewing down in San Antonio, uh, assistant brewer down there for a couple of years. We're in Austin, great beer scene. I'm sure most people have heard of it before. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot, a lot of people moving there. I know that. Yeah, that's true. Hey, Corey, I know of you, number one, because of the, the great beer that Grant's tell me about all the time, but specifically because I was talking to Axel over at uh, Best Malts a few days ago, and uh, he mentioned you guys, and I want to learn more, you guys you know, are used to brewing beers with best malt specifically but you guys won some sort of picture counter competition recently uh yeah so grant got us to uh throw our picture in the hat i guess you would say for, for the uh calendar contest and uh we got our uh assistant brewer out on the little park creek thing and uh had him picking up trash and had him in the best mall city and <laughs> did a oh, little yeah. uh picture collage and uh, apparently they liked it so we uh, oh, we got that's pretty cool it. Yeah, it was cool. Well, we're, we get 500 euros, so that's pretty cool. We're Nothing wrong with that. Them all. Yeah, you should have asked to like get a, a free trip out there to go see Axel and his team over in Germany. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I really wanted. I was hoping we'd get something like that. But. <laughs> well, he I, he used to, and I don't know if he still offers it, Grant, with the... Uh, that's the uh, best brew challenge. Yeah, the best brew challenge, which if you guys haven't done, it's he does it every year. And, uh, oh, is that the one you were just telling me about, Grant? Yeah, the spring one. In March? Okay. Yeah. 
basically like brew, brew a beer with, uh, with best malls is like the base malt, you know, they kind of tell you which one each year. And then, yeah, if you win, if you win that one, get to go out and see them. They pay for the whole trip and everything. I'm not sure. Um, no, I think. Used to. <laughs> yeah. Toby would know better than I would. On that yeah. One. Going back to Josh, uh, have you brewed historically with best malt products or was this kind of the first go at it when we, uh, you know, when we started sampling some of this new roasted product out in market? We've used it in the past here and there. I can't say that I've used it specifically as, as a base malt. So I also work for another brewery in Bethlehem called Bond Place. And we've, I was looking back at old invoices and brew recipes today. And we've used some best malt sour, some of the wheat, some of the biscuit malt. We did a red ale using their, the red wheat or the, sorry, the, the red malt. The red X. Yeah. And I believe uh, at one point they have that, that hell malt. We were trying to get some of that, but I can't remember if we actually brew with it. And I couldn't find it in the brew logs. I don't brew probably. Yeah. I believe that's, yeah, that's exactly what it was. But for Separatists, this was the first time using their roasted malt for oh, us. That's cool. That's cool. So did you have experience using some, some other, other types of roasted malts from other vendors? Yeah, I think primarily in the past, I've used Black, Black Prince a lot. That's been the kind of go-to deep bitter malt. So when I was approached by CJ to see if I would be interested in using the the, black, the best malts, I really wanted to make sure that I could find something comparable to that deep bitter Black malt that I've come so accustomed to. Because the, the idea behind this specific beer was to do an American-style stout with coffee. So I wanted something that would highlight like a depth of flavor without kind of becoming too accurate or stringent, but also achieve that color that we were looking for. Awesome. Yeah. And just, just to kind of back up that, and we, we, we mentioned with Axel as well. So they got three, three roasted products new to market or the, it's the chocolate, the black and the black extra. And Josh, what did you use a, a little bit of all three? Which, uh, which of those three did you use in that, that beer? We used chocolate and the, the black extra. So it was the, the grist bill it had 5% of the chocolate and then about just shy of 2% of the black extra and got some really great color and flavor from it. What'd you think about it? The final product? I know uh, their, their roasting method of CJ chatted with you about it. And I know Axel did earlier on the show, but it's, it's pretty unique. You know, you, you tend to not get that, that acrid flavor that you mentioned as the fluid roasting process is, is so unique that the, you know, the kernels just don't make contact with any, any steel to create that burning on the, on the husk. What'd you think? Yeah, I, I'd agree. I mean, I guess even going back further prior to getting into the two breweries I was in now, I worked for a malt house in Southern Pennsylvania. Uh, so I had the opportunity oh, cool. to learn a bit, a little bit more about the malting process and was a maltster there for about four years and ran their brewing program as well. So understanding a little bit more about the roasting process and talking to CJ, reading up on how Best Malts uses their, their roaster in such a way that it really develops a, a great color profile without any of that that burnt quality or some of that uh, charred quality that you would get with with some of the other roasted malts. Yeah, I think the other thing to to mention too, and Grant, you know, prior to being introduced to this, I think he he started working on this project three years ago, right? <laughs> I know you and I were starting to sample some of the stuff that they were making in that fluid roaster. God, yeah, like I said, three years ago. But yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a very unique product. And the, I think the interesting thing is, I don't know how many other maltsters, if any, are doing it, but, but they go into the roasting process with the, with the pre-malt, which is a, a you know, it's an already malted product, not just a, a, a green malt or, or such. When you were um, malting, Josh, you're saying that you, most of the time you're just using a standard drum roaster. Yeah, exactly. We were a small malt house. We did about two tons per batch. So very small. Everything was floor malted. 
And, you know, the, the roasting capabilities that we had were pretty minimal. You know, we could do some melanoidin and some crystal style malts, but to get some really deep like black malts or that chocolate or coffee, you really run the risk of explosion. Yeah. Explosion, <laughs> you know, fire, you know, you could easily catch a batch of malt on fire in a roaster if you're not careful. So we, we tended to kind of step back from those types of things. And uh, I think since then they've, they've developed some, they've gotten some new equipment and they're able to do some of those things now. But when I was there, it was pretty limited. Yeah. That's just a common thing, like in the malt world, right? Like there's just, you know, accidents happen, but yeah, whenever they're roasting, Oh, I'd like, 22 metric tons of malt or whatever. It's just, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a giant bomb you've built. So a little scary, but uh, yeah, cool. Just thinking about it in general, like, even with stouts and, and dark roasted beers, the inclusion rate of roasted malts is so low, right? But right. it can, you know, really contribute, contributes when you get in that dark stuff, just the entirety of the flavor, right? A lot of the other stuff gets lost because of the, you know, because of the, the roasted product. So Josh, to answer your question and kind of going back about the beer that you made, you mentioned some of the qualities about it, but can you expand upon that, particularly what the uh, the chocolate and other roasteds did in that beer? Yeah. So, I mean, I guess to preface that my goal with this beer was to develop an American stout and one that was true to color. I wanted something, you know, 30 or higher uh, to really get some nice color to it. But you always run the risk when you're trying to develop a color that deep that you can overpower the beer with unwanted roasty flavors or astringency. So the idea was to layer a nice base malt. We use some toasted oats. We use some toasted flake barley, some of the chocolate, some crystal and the black extra. So keeping that all in mind, want to develop a good base stout that would complement the addition of coffee. So really trying to find the fine line of, you know, can the can the stout stand up on its own, but not be so overpowering that the addition of coffee would either overpower the stout or that the stout would muddle the coffee. And I found that just layering those specialty malts, specifically the chocolate, the black extra, some of the like the toasted adjuncts, you were able to just kind of build layers of flavor that lent themselves very well to the addition of coffee so that you get everything. You don't just get coffee. You don't just get stout. You just get this really nice palette of chocolate, roasty coffee, the, the like the fruitiness of the coffee still comes through. It's just a really pleasant beer. And it was just, you know, everything that I wanted it to be worked out really nicely because of the malts. Awesome. What'd you end up calling that one? This one's called Nervous Whispers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Nice. And we, we did it in conjunction with uh, a great local roaster down here uh, or up here, wherever, called Homestead Coffee Roasters. Cool. Is that on, out on draft right now? It's out on draft and it's in cans. Yeah. Like we got it. Yeah, the tap room. Well, it was good having both you guys on. You know, I, I know Corey's really known for his lagers. So I'm talking stouts, but um, I want to talk a little bit about Corey Schwartz beer. Can you tell us a little bit about that, Corey? Yeah. We're big best malls boys over at Oddwood. <laughs> I mean, uh, we use. Heidelberg's pretty much our base malt on a lot of things. Best pills. I mean, we like uh, Frank's Red Hot. We put that in everything. Um, <laughs> so you'll have to bleep me on that one, I guess. But no, it's all um, good. It is the truth, sir. It's the truth. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we did Tapatito or jalapenos. We did two beers with it. We did the Schwarz, uh, which is like 50 50 uh, best malt pills in their Vienna, and then one bag of the chocolate. So typically I used uh, Carafa, Wireman. In years prior and 
it's kind of one I've always used, uh, you know, one, two, three, depending on color and other certain flavors, whatever you're looking to get out of it. But past couple of years, I've been using it. I just wasn't real into the flavors. Like we kept getting like this Parmesan almost thing that I could only attribute to that because I mean, other than that, it's like, you know, some Hallertau tradition and poster malt. So there's not really <laughs> like yeah. a lot of places where it come from. So I couldn't really figure it out. And then this year doing it with chocolate, it just was night and day. It really kind of blew my mind how much better it was. Like I knew best was good, but then after tasting it, it's it's just like I said, night and day. It's uh super smooth, like light roast. It's just all around a you know great beer. We're big adamant, you know, believers in, you know, at least six to eight week lager time. So this thing will be at twelve weeks when we go to can it on Monday. And uh it's just so smooth and clean and everything I wanted from it. So I, I couldn't be happier, honestly, with the with the best and the stout uh, we did. So essentially we did a stout too, because you gave me a bag of the chocolate and then I got a bag of the black extra. So then we, we did a stout too. It's essentially like a homage to, we have a little coffee truck on site called Terrible Love. And they do a, um, like the signature latte is called the Terrible Latte. And it's like a chocolate banana latte. So we did a stout in that vein. So it, the base was essentially like 60-40 Baird's Maris and Munich, and then some of the uh, faucet dark crystal, the MFB kiln coffee, and then a bag of the uh, extra black from Best. And then we did some Belgian dark candy sugar lactose. Really loaded that one up. <laughs> oh, yeah. I told you we did the, we, we tried that uh, Bonanza from Omega for the first time, just because I didn't really know any other way to get. Sure. banana flavor so we we put the nanners in there and uh <laughs> sent it uh well we oh, we did the chalaca too and then um also we worked with he doesn't actually roast so he's just kind of a coffee truck but he's uh good friends with uh, another roaster right down the road called tiny house so tiny house uh did the cold brew concentrate for us and uh yeah that one's interesting it's definitely my first foray to like the pastry style category for lack of a better term but uh it turned out good. It's interesting. It's not, you know, I'm definitely kind of more in the Schwarz beer camp, but uh, <laughs> it's it's a cool beer. And I, I think, you know, the the general populace will appreciate something like that. <laughs> sure. So you've got you got both those on tap right now at, at Oddwood? Uh, so they'll both go on Monday. They're all kegged up, the portion that's kegged, and then we'll can it Monday. So they'll both be on next week. Hell yeah. Okay. I see that Josh is actually drinking. Yeah. And enjoying the it's right. nervous whisper. <laughs> oh, there he is, man! If the if the listeners could see, he's he's just enjoying it. Gosh, why you got to do? I'm like I'm pretty real thirsty now. Yeah, <laughs> and I don't have a beer in front of me. Hey, Sorry, so guys. no, no, that's all right. Man, enjoy the fruits of your labor. So, Josh, can you think of any other styles for the listeners that you think this type or these types of malt, the chocolate, the black, and the black extra, that some kind of beer styles that they might also work well in? When I was reading over that question. I mean, Schwarzbier popped in my head immediately. So the fact that, you know, Corey did one makes perfect sense. I really think it would chocolate and a little bit of the black would go well as a, a compliment to a dark mild, an English style dark mild, or even a, a porter. I like the mild idea. Don't see much of those these days. Yeah. yeah enjoy. At, at Bond Place, we traditionally do a lot of English style beers. Um, that's kind of what we're known for. So we have two of our, I guess, quote unquote, flagships is a, an English bitter and then a dark mild. And I could definitely see using the, the best malts in that. I think it would complement it really well. 
do you cast condition those and go through the full, full nine yards? We have a cask program that we do, you know, very traditionally, but we will not cash condition the entire batch just for ease of life and not trying to for sure. <laughs> but uh, if we could, we would, we would definitely do everything cast condition, but it, it's uh, not feasible at the moment. Speaking of tradition, I don't think Corey mentioned it, but he's real big on the, on the horizontal loggers. Can you tell us a bit about that, Corey? Like you've got, how, how many tanks do you have that are horizontal? Uh, we only have two right now. We're in the process of getting two more, hopefully, here pretty soon. We got a new brew house that's been supposed to be here since September. <laughs> that We have a landing date in January, so once we can get that ironed out, then hopefully we can add a couple more horizontals. But yeah, we're big on the horizontals. I mean, Austin's a huge logger town. I mean, you got OGs like Chip at Live Oak and Swifty <laughs> at ABGB, and I mean, Texas in general, it's pretty hot down here, and Lager is just real conducive to our way of life. So if you're going to make lager in Texas, especially Austin, you got to bring your A game. So, uh, (laughs) (laughs) you know, every beer usually spends, you know, about two to three weeks in the conical. And then, you know, of course, ferment past force VDK and then crash. And then we'll move it over to the horizontals. And then depending on some way, I mean, we do essentially we're doing, uh, we're doing this new thing next year called the Oddwood Lager Dogs. So we're going to drop a new lager four pack every month all the way through December. And if you get all 12, then you get like some real sweet prizes at the end of the year and stuff. So essentially they'll go to the horizontals. And then like, if it's a batch we're going to can, um, then it'll just stay there for the full, you know, if it's spent three in the, you know, primary, then we're trying, you know, hit five in the horizontal and then say they're going to the serving tanks because we're a brew pub. So we move a lot of beer, you know, really 98% of the beer out of the tap room. So then they go to the serving tank. So then sometimes we got to play serving tank shuffle. So it might only spend, you know, four weeks in the lager tank. Then it needs another one or two in the serving tank. But it's really kind of just about hitting that eight week mark. I don't know what it is. There's just magic. something to it. It's magic. Like we try them early, you know, and there's something to that, you know, Keller beer or whatever. But uh, there's like something at that eight week mark. And it's something all the, you know, when I'd go pick Swifty's brain on loggers, you know, when I was first starting out. and he just say eight weeks, <laughs> just give it eight weeks and the rest will, you know. And so we, we trusted him and started doing it. And sure enough, like the magic happened. <laughs> it's funny how that works. Just, you know, time, give it time. It's it's just like brisket, right? It's like low and slow. Just give exactly, it time. Exactly, dude. Time and temp. That's what everybody, you know, we're kind of known in town for our loggers. And a lot of people ask me like, man, what do you do? Because we don't find, filter, anything. And the beers will be diamond bright. And they're like, what do you do? And I'm just time and temp. Just keep it, keep it cold. And just let it sit there. And the horizontal really helps a lot too, honestly, for flocculation. So I think that's really the also kind of awesome part of them. You know, conical is great for ferment because you can harvest your yeast, then move it over the horizontal and just give it its time. It'll flock out and the lager magic will happen. Absolutely. Well, I'll, I'll pose the same question for you while I got you here. So you've got a, you got a, a pastry stout and a Schwartz beer. Any, any other, any other gears turning you sprinkle in some to like a well i guess an alt beer is not really a lager but any other kind of uh, adam beer maybe something else that you would be into yeah i mean like these malts would be great and anything you know going from mild into the dark realm i tend to like less roasty character a lot of time from black malts and stuff like that so i mean i was thinking about if you, you do like a dunkel you know any kind of like you said border or brown I mean, really, anything that you want, some nice 
roasty flavor, but again, without the acridity or any of that harshness that might come with, you know, I mean, roasted barley has its place, of course, and dry Irish and stuff like that. But anything you're, you're just wanting like a nice, you know, smooth malt flavor, this is the perfect malt for it. And then, of course, you know, color-wise, you know, honestly, doing the Schwarz with the chocolate, I think I was telling you, I might actually bump it up to the black. To the middle one? Yeah. To the middle one next year. It's still got a nice color, but maybe I want like just a hint more. So I'm with you. So for those out there listening, I actually got the, had the pleasure of coming out to brew that one with Corey. It's really fun. Um, always fun seeing a new brew house. And you, you did was 9% chocolate in that Schwartz? Yeah, it'd be about 9%. Awesome. Not quite 10 because for us, everything's 10 barrels. And so it's five bags, pills, five bags, Vienna, and then one bag, the chocolate. I haven't got to see the beer yet or try it, but I mean, I, I take it at 9% with the chocolate. It still turned out opaque, right? Like a short beer should be. Yeah, it's got, you know, it's dark. And if you put, you know, like flashlight to it, it's got that rich, you know, crimson mahogany. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Like, like you can parade right around the edges. Right. Yeah. It's, it's black, brown. Yeah. <laughs> it's right there. Gotcha. Well, awesome. Hey, Josh, I, we're, you're talking to three Texans here. And, yeah. you know, yeah, <laughs> like Corey mentioned, it's, it's hot down here. I think it's 80 sure. degrees here in Dallas right now. It's probably the same down there south for it's, you guys, right, Grant? It's 85 oh, yeah. today here. <laughs> yeah. 32 here right now. 32, man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but you, you guys up there are used to it, you know? Like if it's 32 here, it's a bunch of crazies trying to drive around. It's complete panic. It's panic time. I'm telling you. Sure. Like yeah. Josh has got, Josh got the full beard, you know? And he's like, he's oh. he just looks like a warm guy, you know? Like he's prepared. But we're about to pansies down here. My parents live in Florida. So when we go down, I won't go down there between uh, like April and October. So I only go down and visit them and, you know, in the, when it's like this time, cause it's, it's the only time that it's bearable for me. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So Josh said, um, are you serving the, the nervous whisper or do you guys do it in a small batch? Is there a format like listeners, if they're in that area and, and you guys are open, obviously can something they yeah. can try or what? Yeah, no, this was a 40 barrel batch that we did. So oh, we've cool. got draft and cans, you know, I, I don't handle much in the front of the house or, you know, when my day is done in the brewery, I just kind of go home. So I don't hang out in the tap room much, but uh, from what I've heard, people have been really receptive to it. And so it kind of, you know, we had a, a vision in mind and seemed to work out really well. And so we're very happy with it. All right. So Josh, tell us about, you know, obviously th- this beer, I see you're sipping on it. It looks fantastic. Any other, uh, any other beers in the works, anything you're doing unique here in the future that, that people can expect to see on tap or, or uh, out of the brewery? We, just, we actually just did a, a beer that's, released that was using all HBC 630, which is a really cool hop that we got through country malt. And it's got this really cool, like strawberry daiquiri, orange creamsicle thing. So we brewed a double IPA and add a little bit of like carapils to it just to give it a really nice, like orange hue and a little bit of oats just to give it some mouthfeel and then just hop the hell out of it with this HBC 630. So People seem to really appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. That's the that's the cherry candy one. Cool. Yeah, it's it's a really yeah, heavy on the candy, heavy on the stone fruit, some great strawberry quality. We do a collaboration every year called All the Feels. It's a uh, it's a triple IPA that is a play on like uh panettone cake. Okay. Uh, the the Italian Christmas cake. So it's got uh sweet and bitter orange peel, it's got some golden raisins, it's got a little bit of spice to it, and then we, you know, ceremoniously we throw about 
10 of these panettone cakes in the mash ton and uh, <laughs> yeah, just, just for, for, you know, for Instagram, basically. <laughs> <That's about it>. <laughs> <laughs> I have to gum up the mash yeah, ton. How does that water? Stupid like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's, it's fun. It's, you know, it's 11% thing that we put out around Christmas and people tend to like it, but I'm trying to really develop our lager program a bit more. We, there was not much of it prior to me coming on. So I've been trying to develop that a little bit more. I'm a, I have a big affinity for lagers and English style beers. So if I can work those in, I'll do that. So we've got a, a couple new lagers coming out. We just did, we did a Meritzen beer around that Oktoberfest timeframe. Sure. We've got a, we've got a Czech lager and a, an Italian Pilsner coming out. So excited about those. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Well, I really appreciate you guys coming on and give some info about the, the best malts products. and. Uh, yeah, they are available for the listeners. We And Grant, I checked earlier today, but pretty much in uh, all of our North American DCs, we're still waiting on a few transfers, but the product should be readily available for, for the listeners, the brewers out there that that want to want to give it a try. I've got a couple of fantastic brewers on today that enjoyed it. And I wish I was there uh, taking a sip off what they're drinking right now. They do look great. For sure. If you're in the area, definitely stop by, try some separatist beer, try some what was it? Whisper? Say it one more time. What was the it? Nervous Whisper. The nervous Whisper, for sure. And if you're ever down in uh, in Austin, Texas, don't miss the loggers at Oddwood. Corey kills it. We got some really good ones on right now. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking about that, like the times I get a nervous whisper, you know, just thinking, like when I when I have to approach my wife about taking yet another hunting trip every year. I'm like, hey, I'm going to talk to you. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Very hey cool. guys, I really appreciate your time and yeah. uh, yeah, love that, uh, that you guys got your hands on some of this um, best malt stuff and Corey, congrats on the, uh, on the winning of that poster. Are, is it like fully clothed poster? I mean, is it, <laughs> it is. Yeah, he's got his, uh, he's got his clothes on. He's actually in his uh, best smallest hoodie that uh, Grant gave us. No, oh, nice. Right. Yeah. Well, we got to make sure we get a copy of that and uh, post it out to uh, on our social. So we can give some, some shouts out to you. So. Yeah, I sent it over to Grant. He, sh- he should have all of it. Yep, we got it. I think we're going to reshare it on Instagram here pretty soon. Nice. All right, fellas. Well, appreciate your time again. And uh, yeah, look forward to uh, catching up with you sometime in the future. And, and when I make my way up to PA, Josh, I'll come knock on your door, believe me. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks Thanks for having me on. Corey, see you, buddy. Thank you. Sounds good. Thanks, y'all. Thanks, Thanks guys. Time. Before we wrap up, I wanted to let the listeners know a bit more about that Best Malts, Best Brew Challenge. Every year in March, brewers around the world will all brew beers simultaneously with similar grain bills in different countries and different time zones. They then submit their beer for a chance to win a free trip to Germany for Drink Tech and other cool prizes. More information to come next month, but if you're interested, reach out, let us know so we can make sure you get your malts in time. You can reach us at uh, the brew deck at countrymalt.com. All right, that's all I have for you this episode. We have one more special episode before we close out 2021 and season two of the Brew Deck podcast. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss it ever. Cheers. Cheers.